I don't believe in having church. I believe in doing church. He says, let us identify with Jesus Christ. Let the whole world know that I belong to Jesus. I want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm in love with Jesus Christ. I don't care what the worst situation is in your life. God has never forsaken you, and He will get you through. Man was created with a deep desire to live life of meaning and purpose. Purpose is birth out of identity. You must know who you are before you can know what you are. We are the most joyful when we are fulfilling that divine destiny. In today's sermon, Pastor Eddie Mason continues the study on what it means to be the church. Uh, as I was thinking about being the church, I walked up here and I thought about the idea that uh, I don't believe in having church, I believe in doing church. And doing church means that requires something of you, it's not just something from me. And so if we're going to do church, we're going to do it together in here and we're going to do it outside when we go out here. The scripture over there says, I will not keep silent. If you're keeping silent, then you're doing something wrong because you hold the key to everything that's wrong in this nation and in the world. And so we want to hold on to that. And Amy, when you said you were about to faint, listen, I tried to preach this sermon once before and Daddy fainted on the front row. And so, please, no fainting during the sermon. Amen. Hold your fainting till afterwards. I do want to talk to you about being the church, and so I'm going to go back and just uh, get back to where we were just a little bit and be in the church. It says, since the creation of man, God the Father has made it his priority to make himself known. His desire is a people who make knowing him their priority. You see, religion is not about knowing God. Religion is about keeping the rules. And God's not interested in us keeping the rules. God is interested in us knowing who he is. Tammy, can you cut that in? It's ringing just a little bit. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know Him intimately. He wants us to, to, to be a part of who He is. The Scripture says that He will write His laws upon our heart. We will know what we're going to do because God has put within us what is from Him, what is righteous, what is right. And so God called us into this place, and He's saying, I want you to make me a priority. I want you to make knowing me a priority. The Scripture said that this is eternal life that we know God. What does that mean? That we have intimate relationship with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? For all eternity. We think a man's life is long, 80, 90 years. That's nothing. Listen, that isn't even a blink of the eye when we talk about how long we're going to be with our God. And so he says this is eternal life, knowing God. And so we want to get to know Him now. We don't want to have to wait until we die to know Him. For, them, for a lot of people, it's going to be too late. They're not going to have the pleasure of knowing the God that we know. But God said, I'll reveal myself to you right now. I will show you things that you have never seen before. And so, again, I want to read to you what it says in Shorter's Catechism. It says, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. There's something that doesn't go hand in hand, and that's religion and enjoyment. Nobody really enjoys religion. Religion constricts or restricts a person's life. Christ came to set us free. 
He came to give us liberty in who we are and how we live. He came that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly. And God's abundance is so much more than we could think or even imagine. He's, he begins to pour into us. He wants us to know that it is Him that loves us. It's Him that's guiding our footsteps. It's Him that's directing our paths. And sometimes we get all frustrated and we get all angry and we get all mad about stuff. And God said, I got this. I got this. I got you. Psalm 16, he said, you make known to me. This is what David said. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Can I tell you that religion doesn't promise that, but God does. God does. He promises joy in His presence. The problem is most of us don't take time enough to get in His presence. We want to do what I did the other day, just start fussing, cussing, and complaining. We want to hit something. Amen? And so when we get ready to want to hit something, it's time to rejoice and praise God. Let me tell you that again. It's time to rejoice and praise God. Well, I can't just get over being angry that, that, that quick. Well, if you'll start praising God, you can, can't you, Amy? You can get over anything, can't you, if you'll just do what God said do. In Ephesians 5.18, he said, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Can't you see a bunch of drunks right now? They start singing Amazing Grace or whatever. Amazing Grace seems to be their favorite. I'm not sure. Amazing. You know, it just goes on and on and on. Well, when we're drunk in the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord says there's melodies going to begin to rise up inside of us. When we're filled with the Spirit of God, there's a joy that supersedes the circumstances, and we can't help but sing. A drunk can't help but sing. Oh, some of you know that by experience. Now, we're not going to point out who in the room. We're not going to point that out, but I'm just telling you that's the truth. And so when we get from the presence of God, something starts happening. You know your day is going, going good when you start walking around the room and you start saying, I love you, Lord. You start singing this little light of mine. You start singing Jesus loves me. You know, those simple, simplistic, childlike songs, and they just begin to resonate inside your soul. And the next thing you know, you're singing them. Amen. Mm. I just want to thank you, Jesus. I just want to thank you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, let yourself so be so controlled by the Spirit of God and not by circumstances. He said it would be as if you were drunk. In Acts, the second chapter, I read this to you. For the people are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. But this was what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. There's something about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and joy that is connected through that Scripture. See, he didn't say that there was no joy. Look what he says. He said, these are not drunk. This celebration that you see going on, this, this excitement that you see, this electricity that's in the air is not because they've been drinking wine. It's because the Holy Spirit of God has made Himself known. And because God has made Himself known through the Holy Spirit, they can't get over what God is doing. They are celebrating the victory and the promise that Jesus had made to them. They couldn't stop. They couldn't stop talking. They were babbling. And people were hearing the Word of God in their own native tongue. Why? Because the Holy Ghost had come. And there was joy unspeakable and God was being glorified in their midst. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. 
God gets glory in your joy. How many of you know God hates, God hates bitterness? God hates adultery. God hates liars. God hates those things. The scriptures are pretty full of that. You know what else God hates? Complainers. Shh. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Let me just make this real plain. He said, write it on the wall, make it plain. When you start complaining, God looks at you like you're an adulterer. Now, is that plain? No, Eddie, you lying. Mm-mm. Because when you start complaining, you are grumbling against the God of your creation, the one that said, I will bring you joy, I will take care of you. You're saying, God, you, don't take, you can't take care of me. Well, Eddie, I'm not really saying that. Yeah, you are, just like I was. Just like I was when I came down there and I, and, and I started saying, God, I want to get mad. I want to hit something. I'm frustrated because this stuff has just been going on and on and on and on and on. And what I am saying without saying it is, God, why aren't you taking care of this? Well, Eddie, that wasn't even, that mean, that wasn't even in my heart. No, but that was in my mouth. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I repent for complaining. Mm. Does that feel better? Not do it one more time. Let's say it one more time. I repent for complaining. Now you're forgiven for it. Now you don't have to put it back on, all right? So it's all over with. Just don't let it happen again. Isn't that what you tell your children? Just don't let that happen one time more time. Amen. He says, don't complain. Rejoice. When everything goes wrong, he says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. You think it's easy being a Christian? <laughs> Man was created with a deep desire to live a life of purpose and meaning. If, I'm, if I could tell you the one single question I'm asked more than any other question is, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, how do I fulfill my, my purpose in life? Man, we have that. It just aches inside of us. Let me let you in on one little secret. It's not a question that a man can answer. The only one that can answer that is the Holy Spirit abiding in you. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives you destiny. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you purpose. It's the Holy Spirit that takes and guides your thoughts. It's the Holy Spirit that directs your paths. It's the Holy Spirit that takes care of you. It's the Holy Spirit that's got you. It's the Holy Spirit that says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you. And He's saying, you do have destiny. You do have purpose. Look what He says in Ephesians 2.10. He said, we are the workmanship. We're the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He said, I created you for good works, and I prepared those good works before you were ever born. Isn't that cool? Who turn your neighbor and say, I was created for good works. Too bad I had to do so many foolish things when I was younger. Don't say that. Amen. So what, what are you supposed to be doing? Good works. What are good works? God works. What are God works? Ministering love. 
What else am I destined to do? If you fulfill that one, I promise you everything else will take care of itself. You don't have to worry about it. You just minister the love that God's got in you and for you and let Him minister through you. Jeremiah 29, 11, we say this a lot of times, but we don't listen to it. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Come on, take hold of that. God's got a future for you. God's got hope. There's, that's a, that's a, a, an expectation of your fulfillment of the destiny that He has in your life. That's one of my favorite witnessing tools. Is when I see somebody and God just drops in my spirit, I like to him. I said, do you know God's got a plan for your life? I can say that unequivocally. I don't have to worry about it. How do you know that, Eddie? Because God's Word says it. But now when I say it, now I've got to open myself up to the Holy Spirit because I don't know what that plan is. And so when I, begin to, when I begin to prophesy out of the Holy Spirit, once we've ignited that fuse and we begin to prophesy, then God just begins to rip that heart wide open and it becomes tender for Him to be glorified. Starts with one little sentence. God's got a plan for your life. Isn't that cool? It's just so cool. In Psalms 139.13, he said, For you were formed in, in, uh, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. He said, You put me together. Turn to your neighbor and say, God put me together. He gave me extra stuff in <laughs> God likes His creation. You know how I know that? Because God looked at it and said, it is good. He likes the way He created me. Not the way I perverted some of the things that He brought in my life, but He likes the way He created me. He likes my personality. He likes my uniqueness. He's got a unique plan for me. You can't fulfill it. Only I can fulfill it. He has confidence in my future. I may not know what my future holds, but He does. And so I want, to, I want to grab hold of this whole idea. Look at him. He says, he said, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your work. My soul. I love that. My soul. The soul is the center of the mind, the will, and the emotions. He's saying, I am convinced in the very depth of who I am that I have been wonderfully put together. How many times you look in the mirror and it, you, you just really begin to look in the mirror, the reflection of who you are and say, I don't like what I'm looking at. That's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, I'm looking at the way you put me together and I'm pretty well made. And so I'm going to praise you, God, because I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't have anything to do with it. I got this picture when I was, when I was preparing this of Build-A-Bear. How many of y'all ever been to build a bear? How many of you ever built that bear exactly like you wanted it to be built? Oh, most of y'all didn't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank God y'all aren't God. Amen. <laughs> God built it exactly the way he wanted it to be made. You're not a mistake and there's no mistake within you. Am I making sense to you today? I want you to know this because how can you be happy if you're not happy with who you are? 
How can you be filled with joy if you're not accepting the thing that God has done the way God's made you? Well, I don't like the way God made me. There you go complaining again. He's, the psalmist said, I'm wonderfully made. You, you know, and I'm not talking about being conceited. I'm just talking about believing the truth. My grandmother told me after I was old enough to realize, she said, I was the ugliest baby that's ever born. And God said, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Ken, you need new eyes. Okay, I'm going to get back to my sermon now. <laughs> See, if you don't believe God created you beautiful, then, you, then you're complaining about His creation. And if you're comparing yourself to somebody else, how dare you? How dare you compare the work of God to anybody else? I want you to grab hold of this idea. He made you special. He likes you. I tell people all the time, God doesn't like everything I do, but He sure does like me. And He loves me enough to correct me when I do things wrong. And if I get too hard-headed at it, He does know how to kick. God can kick. And so we began to grab hold of this. And so, so I, want you, I want you to understand these things, that there's an identity. There's this great identity within who you are that you have to grab hold of if you're going to live out destiny. Purpose is birthed out of identity. That means you've got to know who you are before you can know what you were born for. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to figure out what we were born for without first knowing who we are. I've seen that in sports all my life. A guy thinks he's a pitcher, and he's not. He's a third baseman. He's a horrible pitcher, but he doesn't know his identity. He's a great third baseman. There are some people that are, that are great communicators, but they are lousy pastors. I'm just telling you the truth. You've got to know who you are before you're going to understand what you were created for. And if you don't think you're special, then you will think anybody can do what you can do. I want you to know there's nobody on earth can do what I can do because God created me that way. And I am not being pompous. And I, and I, and I am, I am not, I'm not walking in pride. I'm just telling you what God has told me. You know what? He told me the same thing about you. He created you because He wanted you here, because He needed you here, because He chose you to be here. Amen? Amen. So you're something special. And God said, if you're that special, then we need to buy in to what God is saying and forget what the world is saying. We are so moved by what people say. I'm riding around in a, in a brand new Dodge Charger one day. And I hadn't gotten any compliments on it. I pulled up to, the, to, to McDonald's or Burger King or somewhere like that. And a little 16-year-old girl, she comes to the window. And she said, man, you got a beautiful car. Man, my chest swole up. I began to drive. I said, I got a beautiful car. It had a white Landau roof on it. White interior. Do you know what white interior with children looks like after about a month? 
But anyway, I'm driving down the road, and I mean, I mean, my head was about this big because a little girl that I don't know that is flipping hamburgers so that she can make spare money so that while she's going to high school told me my car looked good. What I'm telling you is I put more stock in somebody I didn't know than what God said about me. And so do you. So do you. You got to be the church. If you're going to be the church, then you need to know that you've been created special. You've been hand chosen. That's not just terminology. Well, I'm going to go to the church and hit, come on. Get real. Get real, people. Understand what the psalmist said. I'm going to praise you. Why? Because you made me like I am. I'm going to praise you because there's a reason that I exist. I'm going to praise you because I know that I know you. I'm going to praise you. Why? Because you're revealing yourself to me. I'm going to praise you. Why? Because there's nowhere like the presence of God. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't care how many Goliaths you have to face. I don't care how many fortified cities that you go against. It doesn't make any difference when you realize that God is God. It all becomes fodder in His presence. The victory is ours. The victory is ours. In Acts 19.1, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Just giving you the, the time frame. Paul passed through the island, inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, then, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Woo-wee! Paul finds a group of, of disciples. They're not called... They're not called lost people. They are called disciples. They're called believers. Do you know who they believed in? Jesus Christ. You know how I know that? Because John came preaching Jesus. They had not yet fulfilled their identity in Jesus because they did not realize what had transpired. And so Paul illuminated them through the power of the Holy Spirit on the fact that Jesus had been crucified for them. And they said, let us now identify with Jesus. That's what baptism is about. He says, let us identify with Jesus Christ. Let the whole world know that I belong to Jesus. I want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm in love with Jesus Christ. He said, tell my family, tell my neighbors, Tell the government. Tell them all. I belong to Jesus. I must be excited. I'm yelling a lot today. Tell your neighbor, I belong to Jesus. You cut me, I bleed the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, they talk about bleeding blue or bleeding red or bleeding all this other stuff. I'm going to bleed Jesus. I'm not going to bleed Southern Baptist. I'm not going to bleed charismatic. I'm going to bleed Jesus. Why? Because he's the one that came to save me, not the charismatic movement, not the Baptist movement, not the Pentecostal movement. They didn't come to save me. Jesus came to save me. He's the one that hung on the cross for me. Some of those denominational people need to be hung on the cross. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm just, I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm telling a joke. God, forgive me. Don't strike me dead while I'm here. Hadn't it been for them, I wouldn't have gotten saved. So let me redeem myself. 
right here. Look what he said. He said, what have you been baptized in? And then he goes to him and he says, what have you identified with? And once they identified with Jesus, now listen to this, once they identified with Jesus, Paul laid his hands on him and he said, now I want you to be identified with the Holy Ghost. What? I want you to be identified with the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Just like you did salvation. How many of you have already gone to heaven? Just raise your hand. Amen. Okay, a couple of you here have been to heaven. For most of us, we haven't been to heaven yet. For the majority of us, we've got to die before we get there. Amen. So if you haven't been to heaven and you hadn't been there, then you don't know you're saved, right? You've got to experience it before you understand you're saved. Is that right? No? Then how do you know you're saved? Oh, you by faith. You prayed and you asked Christ to save you and you accepted that salvation that He gave to you. And then there's this inner witness of the Holy Spirit that's within you. Can I tell you that's the same way you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is by faith. You say, it's mine. Why? Because Jesus made it a promise. And if Jesus made it a promise, He's not going to withhold any good thing from me. Well, I can't speak in tongues yet. I don't care whether you speak in tongues today, tomorrow, or next week. I had a good friend that was a banker, and he so intellectually was involved in it, he'd go and he'd, ah, ah, by the hours and the days and the weeks and the months and two or three years went by. And his wife kept telling him, honey, you've asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't worry about that. Just let God do what you want to do. So one night he fell asleep. And while he was asleep, he saw Jesus come up to him. And he touched his tongue. And he woke up going, He's baptized and speaking in tongue. He started dancing and shouting. He said, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. She said, son, you got baptized two years ago. You just now spoke in tongues. I love it. Baptized. Baptized. See, where are you going to get your identity? Where is your identity found? It's found through in the blood of Jesus Christ and the witness of the Holy Spirit within you. Am I making sense to you? Yeah. We testify of Jesus not out of our own strength and out of our own power. We, we testify out of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm, I'm going I'm to preach three more minutes. Will you all give me three more minutes? Amen. Then I'm going to take 15. If you'll give me three, I'm going to take 15. <laughs> all too often, we define... We, we, we begin to define our identity or find our identity in the midst of adversity. It's when things finally get out of our control that we have to let the Holy Spirit take control. I, I wish we could, we could learn and just say, Holy Spirit, take control and never had to go through anything, but that's not been my experience, nor has it been the experience of many of the people that I know. And you see, it's when that adversity comes that you're going to find out whether you have the fight or flight instinct built into you. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will fight every time on your behalf. The Holy Ghost does not back down. The Holy Spirit does not back away. The only thing the Holy Spirit does is He crushes your enemies before you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. 
And so now it becomes important. Am I baptized? Am I identity found out of the Holy Spirit? Or is it found out of my ability to control my circumstances? And I think God's blessing me when I can control everything that's around me. Aren't you glad you came this morning? 2 Corinthians 13, 4 says, For He, Jesus, was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in Him, but in dealing with you, we will live with Him by the power of God. He said, He was weak. They did with Him what they wanted to do. They cussed Him. They beat Him. They spit on Him. No, no, no exhibition of great power and authority over, his, over the enemies that were there to, to crucify him. Let me just tell you the truth. He allowed himself to be crucified. Out of his weakness, he was crucified. Not out of his strength. And he says, but I will endure this. I will live by the power of God. I will go through the crucifixion. Christ said, I will go through the crucifixion by the power of God residing in me. Paul says, we will do the exact same thing. You can beat us. You can stone us. You can have snakes bite us. You can throw us in lion's dens. You can do every evil thing that you can imagine to us. But we will not, be, we will not glorify in, our, in those things. We will glorify in the power of Jesus Christ because He will sustain us in the midst of every trial, every minute of every hour. He is right there. I don't care what the worst situation is in your life. God has never forsaken you and he will get you through many of you know that Rudine when Rudine lived one of her favorite sayings was this didn't come to stay this came to pass you know why it came to pass because the Holy Ghost is going to take you through it we want to go over it we want to go around it we want to run away from it and God said uh uh we're taking it and that enemy will be destroyed at your feet and it will never ever again have power over you Three of you are in good shape anyway. <laughs> Hebrews eleven thirty four talking about him said there were many that would quench the power of fire, fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. How? Because they became weak in their own sight and they became strong in the Holy Ghost. It wasn't, it wasn't David against Goliath. David said, I come to you, not in my own strength, not in my own power, but I come to you in the name of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and today you will fall and I'll cut your head off with your own sword. I'll take your schemes, I'll take your tricks, I'll take your defilements, and I will destroy you with what you can to destroy me with. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Same Holy Spirit. Paul said, God came to him and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Oh my gosh. Just turn around and start to tell you, I hate that with a passion. I'm one of those people I like to always look like I'm in control. And Paul said, when I look like an idiot, when I look like I haven't got anything under control, 
when it looks like all hell is going to win. And I just say, I give up. I was telling some people about this. I've told it many, many times. My oldest grandson, Eddie, he loved our swimming pool. He loved the deep end. He could not swim. And he'd go up there, and he would jump in. And when he jumped in, he would throw both arms out and wait until somebody came and got them out of the water. And then he would just laugh and think that was the funniest thing. you say, don't do that again, boy. He'd do it again, and he'd do it again every time. You know, that's what Jesus is waiting for us to do. He's waiting for us just to dump in, jump in the deep end and say, okay, Lord, I can't swim. If you don't save me, I'm going to die right here. And the Holy Spirit says, that's all I was waiting for anyway. And then when he lifts you out of it, you go, ha, let's do that again. Let's do that again. That was fun. Watching the enemy get his butt kicked, that's fun. How many of you like to see the enemy put on the run? Amen. All right, I'm going to close right now. i got one minute left. I, <laughs> Job 42.5. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. In the midst of horrendous persecution. In the midst of watching everything that he had accumulated be destroyed. In the midst of that horror, God revealed himself. And Job says, I'd do that again. The revelation of who you are is so much greater than the accumulation of everything I thought I had. I would rather know Jesus. Eddie Mason is the senior pastor at Southside Christian Fellowship, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning. For service times, location, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may God bless and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.